0: Today, uh, we're beginning a brand new series here at Big Valley Grace where we're, over the next seven or eight weeks, we're going to look at what God has to say about certain topics, okay? These are topics that you've asked me to talk on. Um, I'll get a lot of emails throughout the week or text messages or phone calls or I'll see people in the Welcome Center or whatever and, and hey, you need to do a series on this or you need to talk about this or what does God say about that and I, I collect all those and then usually about every other year, I put them together and say, okay, let's look through here, and what are some of the questions that, that people here in my family are, are asking? And so we're going to look at topics like, uh, what does God say about himself? There's lots of people out there who got all kinds of opinions about God. Well, what, what does the Bible say about, you know, God? What does God say about me? What does God say about Jesus? And that weekend, Lee Strobel will actually be here. And uh, Lee Strobel is a great speaker, wrote some great books. His famous book is uh, The Case for Christ. He's actually going to be here to talk about what does God say about Jesus. We're going to look at what does God say about homosexuality. Um, we're going to look at what God says about his word, the Bible. We're going to look at what God says about heaven, about hell. Uh, today we're going to kick off the series by looking at what God has to say about uh, abortion, or or life, and you know. And I want to start out by maybe sharing just a couple of thoughts that I, I know for sure. Number one, I, I know that for some of you, just hearing the word abortion just sucks the the air right out of your lungs. I know. In fact, you showed up here today, and you were all ready to worship, and you're excited about coming to church, and you were handed, you know, the the program and you you saw the title and it just just took the life out of you. In fact, I know that there are some who they decided not to stay. It's a topic that just, there's just a lot of pain that's that's behind it. Um, But I want you to know that I'm not going to beat anybody up. My goal isn't to poke anybody's eyes out or anything like that. I I, I just want to do my best to share with you what God says about life, about abortion. And I want to do it in a loving way, a gentle way, a compassionate way. And I want you to know that uh, maybe you've had an abortion. You're in a safe place. It's a place that is going to uphold the truth. And sometimes we have to talk about some things that may make you feel a little uncomfortable. And it should make you feel uncomfortable. But, but you're loved here. You're cared for here. And the second thing I know for sure is this, is I know that most of you here, I don't know, 98% of you, uh, are against it. I know that. Most of you are followers of Jesus. You already know what the Bible says. And, and you're, you're against abortion. But uh, for the small minority of you that are here, I, I want to challenge you to, to, to listen to, Okay, don't 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 tune me out, okay? There's way too much at, at stake. The worst case scenario is is in the next 30 minutes or so, you'll disagree with what I have to say and you'll walk out the door and and that's okay. And you're welcome here anytime. But this is a place that believes in the word of God. And if nothing else you'll leave here going, "Okay, at least I know what Christians really believe." At least I've got a handle on what this place called Big Valley Grace, and when you drive by it every day or whatever it is, and at least you'll know what we believe. And you don't have to agree with it. You won't be able to refute what what the Bible says, but you don't have to agree with it. And so let me just encourage you to, to, you know, at least listen over the next 30 minutes. Now, now to get us started, what we did was, um, last month we sent a crew to... uh, um, Monterey, and uh, throughout the series, we're going to do kind of a man-on-the-street interview just to get what people think, you know, what's the average person out there think about all these different topics, and so uh, obviously today, uh, the 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 man-on-the-street interview is about what does God, you know, what do you think about life, when does it begin, and, you know, what do you think about abortion, so look at the jumbotrons right right now. Either it's... When the sperm goes in the egg or in some theories it's when the baby comes out.
1: Um well, because I'm Jewish, our doctrine is that it's when the child is born. I guess when we're born, but depends on the life you're talking about.
0: I don't know, I think it would depend on the on when we could put some sort of cognizance to the to the entity, so to speak.
1: Um from conception? Yeah, when the babies are born. I mean when they're in your womb.
0: I believe life begins at conception. I don't know what's your opinion. Do you have an opinion? When the sperm goes in the egg. Very
1: very sad. I I'm against it because I think that it's a life, you know? Like it's I, I don't I want to see babies being, you know. I've heard some gross stuff that the baby sometimes is even big and
0: If there's a uh, a medical concern for the mother, uh, life-threatening medical concern, I think it should be considered.
1: I don't really believe in abortion, so.
0: Well, I was raised in a very Christian family, so I believe abortion is wrongness, but I also believe that everyone has the right to choose. So, if the woman wants to, like, it's her life. If she doesn't want to have the baby, that's her choice. She can do whatever she wants, but just my personal opinion, I don't agree with it. It's
1: very hard for me. I'm one of those people that I don't really believe in abortion, but I have helped a lot of women in a battered women's situation, where there's been a lot of violence and rape. And back where I live, so I'm kind of one of those people that I've seen women really take on situations where um, they've gotten pregnant in a rape situation, and. It's a very difficult situation to counsel them in that situation. It's very sad that people resort to them. I think is I don't think is I think God is disappointed. I don't think he's happy
0: with the idea. You know, um, you can see people wrestling around with just the morality of it all, the ethics of it all. And if somebody were to stick a microphone in your face and all of a sudden you're dealing with one of the great moral questions of our day, one of the great ethical questions of our day. And, and there's a difference between what's moral and what's ethical. The world wants to put it together uh, and for, for, for good reason. But there really is a difference between what is you know, the, the moral question, the ethical question. Morality just deals with what is. Um, it's not moral in the state of California to go pay for a hooker. But you can go right across the border in Nevada and their morality is different. They have whorehouses. And you can actually go in and, you know, pick a girl and, you know, whatever. You see, morality is just what is. is. And morality will change. Uh, A lot of you in this room right here for decades there, there was a moral standard as it related to marriage. And you are watching morality change. Morality is just what is. Ethics asks a way deeper question and that is what should be. I realize you can go to Nevada and go to a whorehouse. I, I realize that's moral. The ethical question is, is should that be? Should you be able to do something like that? And so what happens when you get to a topic like this and some of the others that we may cover in this series is you're dealing with these deep moral questions and deep ethical questions. I I have an article here from our president who was uh, interviewed. And he was talking about um, uh, how some people make more money than others, like Bill Gates makes more money than me. And he said this, quote, this growing inequality, the fact that Bill Gates makes more money than Rick Countryman is not just morally wrong, it's just bad economics. And so um, for our president, it's morally wrong for some of you to make more money than I make or that I would make more money than you make. It's, It's morally wrong. For him, it's a moral issue that some of you would make more money than others. Now, now I don't care. I, I'm all for you guys making as much money as you, you can. The 10th commandment is, is don't, don't covet. D- don't want what somebody else has. Just be content with whatever it is you have. I, I don't want Bill Gates' piece of the pie. I'm okay with Bill Gates making as much money as he wants. It's not a moral issue with me. I think you ought to be able to make as much money as you make. And frankly, you gotta be able to keep it. But to our president, you see, that's a moral issue. I think there are other weightier moral issues than than whether you make more money than I make, or whether I make more money than you make. This is America and you're free to make whatever it is you wanna make. At least, it's the way it's supposed to be. Proverbs chapter 14 says this There's a way that seems right to a man. There's a way that seems right to a woman, but in the end, it just just leads to death. It it seems right, but for whatever reason, when it's all said and done, it just doesn't make any sense. It just just, doesn't end well. Beloved, every day over 3,500 unborn babies are killed here in America. 24,000 each week, 105 each month, and 1.2 about each year. In fact, in the 90 minutes that you're going to be here in worship, about 160 babies will be killed. It's called pro-choice. Now, that's That's something to get morally ruffled about. Now, that's a great ethical question. Should, should it be? I, I know it's legal. I know it's legal. But the ethical question is, is should it be? See, see, that's the deeper question. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. In 1984, Vice President, uh, Presidential Candidate Geraldine Ferraro made this statement concerning abortion on the floor of the House of Representatives. She said, quote, the cost of putting an unwanted child through the welfare system far outweighs the cost of an abortion procedure. It's a simple matter of economics. Unwanted children often end up in the criminal justice system. It's very expensive to care for them. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it's just crummy. In Maryland, it's against the law, or it was against the law for a fisherman to transport a pregnant lobster to market for fear that its babies would be harmed. Yet the same state, allows abortion, killing babies, including partial birth abortion. There's a way that seems right to a a man. Seems right, boy, ends badly. In 1973, our nation enacted what is called the Endangered Species Act, and it protects the life of uh, at least 23 amphibians and their unborn offspring, about 90 birds, about 70 different clams, 22 different crustaceans, 86 mammals, 40 reptiles, 35 different snails, about 57 different bugs. But we as a nation allow the killing of human life. Now look, I'm all for protecting a a clam. Don't, Don't miss what I'm saying here. If we got some clams that are, I don't know, not gonna be around, and let's protect them. Okay, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't wanna see snails disappear. Yeah, yeah, I do. But, matter of fact, I do, <laughs> let me straight up with you. It's costing me a fortune to get rid of them in my yard, but um, man, I wonder, I'm just trying to figure out how to get babies on the endangered species list. You see, there's a way that seems right, seems right. Man, it just doesn't make any sense when it's all said and done. Years ago, a Florida man was arrested for stealing turtle eggs from the beach. And he, he he really smart guy, he defended himself by saying that the eggs were not yet life. That's brilliant. No good. Guilty. You see, to the law, a turtle egg is life. And he paid a big fine for that but not the unborn baby. It's not, it's not a life. Huh. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. You see, Proverbs 14 is right. There are things or ways that seem right to us as human beings. They, there are ways that seem right to us as Americans. There are ways that seem right to us as a culture. There are ways that, that feel right. Emotionally, they, they feel right to us. Though they may seem right or feel right or whatever, they're actually terribly, terribly wrong. I often tell you in here that, you know, our emotions have no IQ. You can't educate your, your feelings. You can't do it. They, they are what they are. They're given to us by God, and I'm glad I have them, but for the most part, our feelings are pretty much irrational. And that's why Jesus said it's the truth that sets you free. It's, it's using your, your intellect that's what sets you free. It's what makes us different than all the other things that God has created, is that we may feel a certain way. You know, a, a tiger may feel like he, you know, he's hungry and he wants to go kill a wildebeest for food, you know, and he just does it. He just acts on his feelings. I may feel like I want to go punch the guy who cut me off on the freeway in the nose, but what I have to do is I have to go to a higher place. I have to go to my intellect, and get beyond my feelings and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I know I feel a certain way, but what's the truth? It may feel right to do something, it may seem right to do something, but in the end, I've got to weigh that out with what, 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 what is really right? Look, the reason they're, they're, they're terribly, terribly wrong, some of these things that we've seen that seem right is because they're not God's way. And one of the goals of this series is to help us all see the truth of what God says about different things. And that would be today, you know, what God says about abortion or life. Psalms 25 says, show me the right path, Lord. Point out the the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. Beloved, there's, there's a right path. There's a right road we can go down, which means there's a wrong path we can go down. There's a wrong road we can go down. And you have to decide what you're going to use to help you find that right path or right road, your intellect, your, your emotions, your, your feelings, or are you literally going to go to God's word, his truth? Because you're gonna go down a path, I'm gonna go down a path, you're gonna go down a road, I'm gonna go down a road. And we have to decide what we're gonna to use to determine what path or road we're gonna go down. Our emotions, what seems right, what feels right, what gets us invited to all the right parties, what keeps people you know, at work off our backs. Or are we going to allow the truth of God's word to be the thing that determines what road or path we go down, regardless of what the circumstances might might be? Once again, this series is all about looking at what God has to say about all these different different, uh, topics, okay? Proverbs chapter 3 says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way, the right path, the the right road. Never let yourself think that you're wiser than you are. Simply obey the Lord and refuse to do what is wrong. If you do this, it will be like good medicine, healing your wounds and easing your pains. Look, there's gonna be a lot of things that God has to say. Maybe even today, to some of you, that will be very hard, very difficult. Your emotions are going to go, wait a minute, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel that way. That doesn't seem right. It doesn't feel right. There are going to be a lot of things that God calls you to that, that aren't easy. I, I don't like the fact that God says, Rick, I want you to love your enemies. What? Come on. You've you, you got to be kidding me. How did that verse end up in there? Can I cut that one out? can't. It just feels right to not like my enemies. It just seems right that I would not like them and I'd want to, you know, wish harm on them, you know. Just a, but God says, no. I want you to love them. I want you to pray for them, even. And here we have this great thought here that just trust in the Lord. Don't, don't, don't rely on what you think you know. Just trust the Lord, obey him. And he'll make sure you go down the right path, the right road, whatever those things might, might be. Vince Lombardi was one of the most successful coaches in, in, in football history. In fact, the, the trophy that the winning team gets for winning the Super Bowl is named after him. It's called the Lombardi Trophy. And Vince Lombardi would start each year's training camp the same way, he'd get all the players in a, in a room and he'd grab a football and he'd hold it up and he'd say, gentlemen, this is a football. Okay? And then he takes take them through the basics of the game, blocking, tackling, those basic things. And this is kind of what I, what I want to do um, right now, is I, I just want to kind of start by sharing with you just some, some basic thoughts in Scripture. And this first passage that I want to share is really profound. The Bible says this in Genesis chapter 1, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds in the sky and over the tame animals, over all the earth and over all the small crawling animals that are on the earth. So God created you. God created me in his image, in his likeness. It's just just profound. Beloved, we as human beings are made in the very image of God. And that's what makes us special. That's what makes us unique. It's what gives human life dignity. It's what sets human life apart from all other life. It's, It's called the sanctity of life. It's what sets Human life apart from all other life. Human life is sanctified. It's different. Cows and goats and whales and spiders and frogs and and lizards aren't created in, in, in the image of God. He made them all. He created them all, but they're not made in his image. Only we as human beings are made in the very image of God. King David said this, Christina quoted some of this passage. King David said, you, God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. And here's this idea of this all-powerful God who is putting together this human life within the womb. Thank you, God, for making me so wonderfully complex. And that's the understatement of the year. We as human beings are so complex. I mean, our eyeballs and our nervous systems and our kidneys and and our spleens and and our hearts. and, And unbelievable, we can smell and hear. We're just unbelievably complex. God, your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. And obviously when that was written thousands of years ago, they didn't have little cameras that they can put into a, 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 a womb now where you can actually see human life. We can do that now. But I'm sure King David would watch a baby come out of a woman's womb and he'd just go, whoa, this is unbelievable. Just to see, we can see that now. Isaiah 44 says, this is what the Lord says, he who made you, who formed you when you were in your mother's womb. Beloved, according to God's word, life is sacred. Now, to a lot of people, it's not, obviously. 1.2 babies here in our country are, are, are gonna die. They're gonna be slaughtered, they're gonna be killed. But I want you to know, to God, life is incredibly sacred, and in the final analysis, that's all that matters. Political uh, parties are gonna have their opinions on this. Doctors and medical organizations are gonna have their opinions. You and I are gonna have our opinions, right? But all of these opinions will be judged by the word of God, all of them, all of them. Now, I wanna give you two thoughts that are just super basic, you know, the Vince Lombardi thing. Number one, the unborn are created by God and are persons before God. This is super basic. The unborn are created by God and their persons before God. Listen to what God said in Jeremiah chapter 1. God said, Before I made you in your mother's womb, Jeremiah, I chose you. Before you were born, Jeremiah, I set you apart for a special work. Before you were born, Jeremiah, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God says, before I made you, I chose you. And that word before is is very significant. God says, before I even began to create the person who would later become known as Jeremiah, I knew him. I chose him. So in the mind of God, before Jeremiah was even conceived, God considered him a person. And not only did God consider him a person, but he also had laid out a plan for his life. And the same thing is true for you. God knew who you were before you were ever conceived. Now, you know, for me to try to wrap my mind around that, pop, I can't. Because I'm just a human being. But the reality is, is God who, who's all-knowing knew you before you were ever conceived. And he has a, a plan for your life, just like he had a plan for Jeremiah's life. And, and your, the plan he has for your life maybe isn't to be a prophet to the nations. Maybe it is. Maybe his plan for you is that you would become an, an attorney for him, or that you would become a mechanic. For him, or that you would become a doctor for him, or that you would become a, a salesperson for him, or that you would you know uh, uh, own an almond ranch for him. I don't know. I don't know, but my goal isn't to try to figure out what God's plan is for your life. I can help you. I just got to try to figure out what God's plan was for my life. And even those of you that are here who don't know Jesus, you you, you don't believe in God. I want you to know something. It didn't change the fact that he knew you before you were ever conceived. And I want you to know he's got a plan for your life too. An unbelievable plan for your life. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2, for we're God's workmanship. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. And those things that he planned for you long ago happened, were on the drawing board, if you will, before you were ever conceived. That's why it's important for us to try to figure out what the Lord's will is for our our life because he has one. He has a will for your life that he established before you were ever conceived, you see. Listen to what Max Licato said. He said, quote, you aren't an accident, you weren't mass produced, you weren't an assembly line product, you were deliberately planned, specifically gifted, and lovingly positioned on this earth by the master craftsman. And that is just beautiful, and it's true. It's true. Listen, so human. Uh, In, 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 um, in Luke chapter one, listen to what the angel Gabriel said to Zachariah. It says in verse 13, but the angel said to him, Zachariah, hey, don't, don't be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And that was going to be John the Baptist. And you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He has never taken any wine or any other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Huh. So human is the unborn life to God that he filled John the Baptist with the Holy Spirit while he was in his mama's womb. Think about this. If life doesn't begin at conception, then Jesus ceased to exist As a person for the nine months that he was in his mama's womb. And how crazy is that? In other words, was Jesus not a person when he was inside his mother's womb? Of course he was. He's always existed, there was never a time he did not exist. Psalms 100 says this, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. And for a long time, I blew God off. I didn't want any part of God. I didn't believe in God. But it doesn't change the fact of that passage right there, that he made me. I was his And I may have rebelled against him for a long time, but it didn't change that that fact. Not only did God made you, but you're his possession. You belong to him. One theologian put it like this, God carries your picture in his wallet. (laughs) I liked that. Now let me deal with those rare crummy moments when someone gets pregnant under horrible circumstances, okay? Now, we're just keep in mind that what the world calls unwanted pregnancies, God calls miracles, okay? God has a purpose and a plan for each human life, regardless of how that pregnancy happens. And let me give you an illustration. In February of 1896, a young African woman was raped by a white man. And I want you to know, I just, I, I, to me, rape is m- one of the most horrible crimes that could ever be committed. In fact, in my opinion, somebody that rapes a woman ought to get the death penalty. And I wouldn't have a problem throwing the switch, just to be straight up with you. I, I wouldn't have any problem with it. That is, that is absolutely horrible. It's horrendous. But this young African woman Uh, Didn't have an abortion. She believed that that life was a miracle. She believed that that life was created in the very image of God. And nine months later, she gave birth to the great black gospel singer Ethel Waters. I know a woman in our church who was raped a long time ago, and she had a baby. It was a boy, and that boy has enriched all of our lives. She gave me permission to share the story, and so did her son, who is now married. And it was a horrible situation, I remember it. But she knew what God's word said, that that was a life created in the very image of God, she knew that that baby was gonna come out of her one way or another. She was either gonna let it go to term and have it come out or she was gonna allow it to be killed one way or another it was coming out. And she decided to let it come to term because she knew what God's word said. And I want you to know that that boy has been a blessing. He's not a boy, he's, a guy, he's married and he's enriched, if you knew who he was, your life too. I know of a young teenage gal who was engaged to be married, but she got pregnant by by somebody that wasn't her fiance. Well, obviously this fiance was super upset, wanted to dump her like any of us would, but to his credit, he continued to love the girl, and when the child was finally born, he loved that baby as if it was his own, Which every single person in this room should be thankful for because that baby's name was Jesus. Hmm. Beloved, to to kill a human life, any human life, because it doesn't meet our criteria of quality of life or whatever, just flat out wrong. It's just sinful. And we're going to be judged by God Almighty someday. The sixth commandment says that we're not allowed to kill, we're not allowed to kill. God is the author of life. He's the one who authors life. He's the one who creates life within the the body of a a woman. And and let me just tell you, the safest place on the planet ought to be inside the womb of a mother. That ought to be the safest place to, to, to be. Unfortunately, in our country, it it, it can be a dangerous place. It's more dangerous to be in the womb of a woman at times than it is to be on the battlefields of Afghanistan. Someone once said, Americans are, are quick to focus on the freedom of choice but slow to focus on the results of such choices. There is a way that, that seems right, it, it seems right. But man, when it's all said and done, it's just, it just ain't right. It's just crazy. It leads to death. It just just no good. The Bible says in Colossians chapter one, "For by him all things were created, all things, all things were created, and that includes. The baby within a womb. However the baby got there. However it got there. Things in heaven and on earth, visible, and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. So when he allows a woman to get pregnant even under really horrible circumstances, God has a plan. God wants to do something with that life for him. So the first thing I want you to understand is that the unborn are created by God and are persons before God. And number two, and this is where I wanna get practical, okay, number two is you gotta do something. You you gotta do something. We, we believe that babies, you know, unborn babies are, are made in the very image of God. They're created by God. God has a plan for their life. And we, we live in a country where, where, you know, a lot of babies are dying. And, and we as believers are called to do something. The Bible says in James chapter 4, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, that's sinful. In other words, just, you know, be, being a follower of Jesus is more than just avoiding evil. You can do nothing and still sin. Sometimes God calls us to action, and if we blow God off and refuse to do what he wants us to do, it's sin. And when it comes to abortion, I got the feeling that God wants his people to take some action. Listen to this story in Luke chapter 10. One day, an expert of the law, religious law, stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, Jesus, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your strength, and all of your mind. And you have to love your neighbor as yourself. Right! Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Well, this man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, Hey Jesus, who is my neighbor? And I'm so thankful he asked that question. Because if he doesn't ask that question, we don't get this next story. And may this story be used by the Holy Spirit to to move us all. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho. And we're gonna be there in a few days. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, and they left him half dead besides the road. By chance, a priest came along, you know, a religious person. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and he passed him by. In other words, he did nothing to help him. A temple assistant, another religious guy, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. He did nothing. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion on him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and with wine, and he bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here." Now. Which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Okay, well, you've got a half a cell working, you know the answer, right? And the man said, well, well, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, yes. Now you go and you do the same. Beloved, I think too often believers um, can become like the priest or the temple assistant as it relates to these unborn babies that are in wombs that are under attack. Oh, yeah, we, we, we know about abortion. It's been happening since the 60s, and, and so, ah, uh, you know, what am I going to do? I, and so we become like the priest. We, we can become like the, the temple assistant, and we look at it, and, and we don't do a thing. That baby in the womb is our neighbor. Uh, God God wants us to to do something, to take action, to do something. The Bible says this in James chapter two, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but you don't give that person any food or clothing. What, What good does that do? In other words, man, if you just walk out of here today and go, man, you know, abortion's wrong, but you don't do anything, so what? What good did that do? The baby did no good. And so let me give you four things. These are action steps that you can take to value human life. Number one, you can pray. I think this is the most important thing. Pray. James says the prayer of a righteous man, a righteous person is a powerful and effective thing. I believe that. Pray that God would move. Pray that God would stop the killing. Pray that people would stop sleeping around. Pray that the moral temperature in our country would change. Pray that there wouldn't be as many teenagers getting pregnant. we got all these teenage moms, which means we have all these teenage dads. Pray that there would be a a moral revolution in our country. Pray that God would raise up judges and politicians that value life. Look, there's only one thing I really care about when it comes to voting for somebody, and that is what do you think about life? I get asked as a senior pastor here all the time, Politicians will call. I don't know. They're running for the school board. They could be running for, uh, you know, the whatever. It doesn't matter to me what it is. I ask them one question: Tell me what you think about life. And if there's somebody who will kill babies, I'm not voting for them. There's no way I could mark a lever, punch a button for somebody that would kill babies. I can't do it. Now you might be thinking, Well, what does a school board member or you know, city council member or the comptroller have to do with it? Here's the deal. I'm not gonna vote for anybody that will kill a baby. I can't do it. I gotta go to bed at night. I gotta wake up in the morning, I gotta live with me. Well, what if we have to choose between, you know, the lesser of two evils? I want you to know something. I'm not gonna choose anybody that would kill a baby. I'm just not gonna do it. I can't. I think too often, you know, we, we get all rattled about other issues, and, and instead of saying, wait a minute, what do you think about life, the life of that baby? And that ought to be one of the governing principles when you go to the ballot box, my opinion. Uh, number two, speak out. Write a letter or six to your senator or your, 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 your congressman or to your president you got to do that. You, you, you need to let those know that are in those positions of power what you think. And keep writing. Keep writing. Don't be a jerk. Just, hey, the, you know, I just want you to know, as one of your constituents, that, that, I, that, that the killing of babies is just wrong. And don't use the word abortion. Don't, don't let them spin to that word. Killing of babies. Keep using that. Killing of babies. I was, talk, I was on the phone with a person who's running for office, and I asked, well, how do you feel about killing babies? And, they said, well, I, and they said, well, uh, the abortion, I said, no, 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 I, I, killing babies. I just wanna know how you feel about killing babies. See, they wanted to use the word abortion. That, that sounds better, doesn't it? I don't let them go there. How do you feel about killing babies? Well, you know, I know uh, killing babies. I don't care about the abortion issue. I wanna know how you feel about that. Well, I'm, 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 I'm for abortion. No, no, you're for, you're for killing babies. Okay, thanks. You know, I won't be voting for you. Well, no, I'm not for killing babies. Well, yeah, you are. Don't. You know, whenever you got a chance, speak up against the, you know, about babies. Vote for those that, uh, you know, value life. That's a great way to speak up. Now, listen, I'll tell you a great way. Sit down and talk with your children about sexual purity. That'd be a great way to speak out, wouldn't it? Talk to your grandchildren about it. Hey, listen, here's how grandma and grandpa deal, dealt with all the sexual diseases and premarital you know, babies being born out of wedlock. We just waited until we had one of these on. That's how we did it. And that's what you need to do, grandson, granddaughter. You wait till you got one of these things on before you start goofing around with all that sex stuff. That'd be a great way to speak out. Number three, and this one's a big one, practice grace. Jesus said, so in everything, you know, do to others what you would have them do to you. For This sums up what the law and the prophets talked about. You know, you put all the things that the great prophets, you know, spoke about, and it all comes down to this. Treat people the way you'd want to be treated. Beloved, listen to me. Abortion is wrong. It's sin before God, but it's not the unpardonable sin. As crummy as it is, it's forgivable, which means we got to practice grace. There's no doubt that we need to speak out against the moral concerns of our society, but at the same time, we've got to offer love and compassion to those that need help. Remember, the, uh, the, the primary biblical command is to make disciples, not win an argument. And one of the things about Big Valley Grace is this, is yes, I, I'm passionate about life. Because I know what the Bible says about life, but it's, this is also a place where if you have had an abortion, this is a place that will love you and care about you. In fact, we have a ministry here called Surrendering the, the Secret. And Chrissy, where are you at? Chrissy was standing up there last night. Chrissy's back there. Chrissy runs the Modesto Pregnancy Center. She's a member here at our church. She's an usher back there on Saturday nights. And... Uh, Um, she leads that Bible study. And I don't know where it is, and I don't know who's in it. I just know that we're like one of maybe five churches in the whole country where they actually have this Bible study because in most churches, it's not a safe place to go if you've had an abortion. And I want you to know, if you've had an abortion, okay, this is a safe place. I understand um, the grace of God obviously I've never had an abortion, but I've got my stuff. I have my sin that that God forgave. And when Jesus went to that cross and died on that cross and was put into that tomb and walked out of that grave and now is at the right hand of the Father, I want you to know his grace is available to you. His forgiveness is available to you. And if you call that number up there, 571-4399, extension 270, the only person that will answer that phone, the only person that will listen to the message, the only person, isn't a man, it's not one of our pastors or one of our elders, the only person that will ever answer that phone will be Chrissy. And Chrissy has shared her testimony in here. She's had an abortion. She knows the pain, the sorrow. And she wants to be a blessing to you. She's the only person that will pick up the phone or call you back. And if you'd like some more information on that Bible study, you could call her up. And I guarantee you, there are lots of gals, some are probably in this room right now over in the venue, who have been through that Bible study. Uh, uh, many of them get to the point to where they're free, and I've had them come up and hug me and cry and say, you know, I've experienced God's forgiveness in my life for the first time. And may, maybe that's you. And if it is, call that number. Write it down. I, I'm not going to answer the phone. Don't worry about it. Chrissy will answer the phone. And, and number four, participate. Volunteer down at the Modesto Pregnancy Center. I know many, a lot of you do. A lot of people here at Big Valley Grace are, are volunteer there. Volunteer to Liviana's Closet. You see, we're a church that says we believe in life. And so if a young woman, uh, a, a, a young gal or whatever, decides to keep their baby, we, ch- we can't just go, well, that's really great, thank you very much, and then walk away. What good does that do? And that's what the church typically does. is We just talk about the stuff we're against, but we don't do anything. Not this church. Oliviana's Closet is an incredible place where we recognize for whatever reason that a young woman has got herself into this into this situation but she valued life and she had the baby and I don't know every month 50 60 gals come to Oliviana's closet and 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 they're they're giving clothes for their, their children and diapers and uh, you know they're, I don't know the the Shimilac, or whatever whatever that stuff's called and whatever whatever it is I don't know I don't know whatever the drink stuff you know the, it's kind of a protein drink for the kids uh, for the babies Lee, that's why you and I don't lead that, Olivia's closet. We say, hey, here's a Red Bull. Give, me, give, me, give, it, to, give it to your two month old. Um, uh, well, I'll tell you what else we do. Uh, Elliott uh, 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 High School is where um, high school students who want to get an education, but they got pregnant and they valued life and they kept their babies. Our Olivia's closet. My wife has been there many times, and we help those those girls with food and clothing and diapers and all those kinds of things. We're not just a church that says, "Man, it's wrong. Don't you do it?" And then you know, be well, be fed, be warm, and gut it out. No, we're very much engaged in saying, "Listen, if you choose to keep that life, we're going to walk through you with this thing. We're going to help you." Um, uh, another way to participate is right outside here, there is a, a ministry where you can bring down suitcases for kids that are that are being adopted. They don't have suitcases. And so what happens is when they go from one family to another, listen to me, the, the, they put all their stuff in a glad bag and they literally show up at someone's home with a bag and they've got you know whatever few pieces of clothes they have in it and they dump their bag out. How crummy is that? And so you could bring down some of your old uh, suitcases and and we have a there's a ministry represented out there so that every child that is in the in the system would be given their own suitcase so they can pack their own clothes and put their stuff in there and so when they go from one home to another which obviously uh, unfortunately happens a lot they've got a suitcase wouldn't that just be a kind thing to do I mean, isn't that the way you'd want to be treated if, if it was you? I'll tell you another thing that we have is we have a ministry out there where you can, um, kind of like our backpacks, um, you can go out there and you can buy these comfort kits is what they're called. And so imagine, um, imagine you're a, imagine you're, I don't know, Cade's age, my son's age. and you're in the foster system. And you're gonna go from one place to another. You don't have a toothbrush, you don't have anything. And these bags have little lights and you know they're all for different ages, little things, a toothbrush, a, you know, a flashlight, because a lot of these kids are just afraid at night. They're in a new place and they don't know anybody and so these comfort bags, you could go out there, pick up the slip of paper, and it'll have different age brackets on it, and you could say, hey, I'm going I'm to bring some of these down, and in and, and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to give a cup of cold water to one of these children that's just in a, in a difficult situation. That'd be a great way to participate. Somebody had that life. I'll tell you another one would be... Um, maybe to actually adopt a child. In this church right here, I want you to know there's more people in this church that have adopted children than just about any place. You can probably put all the churches together. And I want you to just, I wanna end this time, I want you to watch this video, okay? And, and just just let, let it bless, bless your life right here.
1: My favorite quote of all time was our furnace repair man comes into the house, stops dead in his tracks, and says, this looks like some kind of United Nations meeting. Bangalore, India.
2: Connecticut. I was born in Romania. Ethiopia. Which is in Africa. And China.
1: <laughs> Sharon is the gas pedal, and I am the brakes. Over and over she'll say, I found this child who needs X and Y and Z, and all we'd have to do is fly over the ocean, get funding, connect this dot to here, and it'd be done. We're such victims of our culture because our culture tells us your kids have to look perfect and be in all the perfect schools, and you can't do that with a big family, but if you just concentrate on what's important, the rest will follow. People discouraged us. They thought we were gonna ruin our lives by taking all these special kids, and they said, you don't know what to do. And it's true that we had no experience, and we didn't really know how to raise them, but you see what happens with unconditional love. You give a person unconditional love, and they, they blossom. I feel like having these kids has really helped us find our life, find our meaning, find our purpose. It took me decades to figure this out, but there's no physical thing that you can buy that's actually gonna give you true peace and happiness and the pure joy that will come from a a rescue and a ransom of a child's life is probably the most satisfying thing you can imagine. We talk about adoption, we tell them they're adopted and we kind of tell them, you know, being born into a family, you don't even decide that it kind of happens biologically, but when you're adopted your parents Looked out at the whole world and picked you. You think that they don't really know the gravity of them being rescued or saved. Then you'll see them in an external setting, like one of them is in front of 300 people last Friday night, and he tells people that he probably wouldn't be alive if he hadn't been adopted by his family. Those are like the goosebump moments when you go, He's got it.
2: She's jealous of me. Rage like hurricane. I am tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. But all of a sudden, I am a in Romania, at least at the time when I was born, um, when you were when you were born with a, a deformity, quote quote, it um, it was considered a curse by God. Oh how I was um, kind of distance and not treated right and kind of not really getting any care that a normal baby should, which is why when I was one and a half years old I weighed nine pounds. It was rough in the first year of my life, but I lived. But no matter where you were before, it's like, where you can be now, your past doesn't define that. This family has proven that it's just like you have a dying boy from Romania or starving kids from Africa and you bring them to a place where they can be I guess human to the fullest and that's that's a generous generous thing family is everything
1: family's fun (laughs) interesting (laughs) His family is just people you can be a fool around and they'll still love you.
2: Awesome. No, should I do the Denahi face? (laughs) Family is something that I can count on.
1: Family is
0: adopted. There are about six, seven hundred kids in our Stanislaus County that are um, nobody really Nobody really wants them. And as a follower of Jesus, as a leader of my town, as an ecclesiastical leader, I'm not okay with that. Just not okay with this. I think about all the believers in our city, but all the churches together, all those that follow the name of the Lord, and I'll tell you, not everybody's supposed to adopt. Not everybody's supposed to do that. There are other ways to participate, but I know that there are some that are supposed to. I want you to know something. My prayer is that this would be one of the few counties in the United States of America where there wouldn't be one child that's up for adoption, not one, that the Christian community came together and said, wait a minute, that's a life created in the very image of God there needs to be somebody who loves them and cares for them and tells them about Jesus and raises them to the glory of God. See, see I think that puts a smile on Jesus' face. He, he loved human beings so much that he died on a cross. And there are adoption agencies that are out there that you can go and gather some information from, and there's a meeting that's coming up where you can begin to kind of figure out, is this something for me? Is this something for my family? And it's okay if it's not. God hasn't called me to do that. But I know that there are other ways that I ought to participate. There are other things that I can do to be engaged in, in life because I'm against the killing of life. So I got to do something, and there's lots of ways that all of us could, could be involved. And as you go out there, we got hot dogs and stuff, and nothing like a good hot dog at 10.30, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of like that all day food thing. But go out there and grab some stuff and just look, get the information on these comfort bags, maybe go through your closet and, and, and pick the suitcases that are in your garage that you're never gonna use again and bring them down and let somebody else get a, get a blessing out of them or, or, or whatever. And these are just some of the ways that we can really be like the good Samaritan. Nobody wants to be the priest. <laughs> Nobody wants to be the temple assistant who saw something and did nothing. And the beautiful thing about I, the family here at Big Valley Grace is I know, you guys are unbelievable. And may God give you wisdom as you walk around. Father, thank you, Lord, for today. I've enjoyed this, Lord. I've enjoyed singing and giving. I've enjoyed looking at your word, God, and how much you value life. Wow. Help us as a church to know how we can continue to value life. Thanks, Jesus, for your goodness. And I pray this in the name of the Lord. And all of God's people said, Amen. Hey, bless you guys. Go get your children. Hurry, hurry, hurry.